I'm Janet No, And I'm Andrea Dillon. We are a mother-daughter CPA firm serving the United States business community with tax preparation services, tax planning, tax resolution, assurance and audits, and CFO outsourcing and consulting. Thank you for listening to the WOW podcast, Words of Wealth from CPAs of Florida. Learn more at cpasofflorida.com or call us at 239-936-6144. My name is Janet Noak and Carol McCarley. And today we are here to talk to you about our continued series of non-U.S. persons and how to do business in the United States or how to buy property in the United States and how that would affect you for tax purposes. So today's topic is whether to buy a U.S. real property in a personal or business name and what the options are to do that. So we have a few options that we're going to discuss. The first would be to buy it in your personal name or an LLC name or also a C-Corp name. Now one of the options you could not do is to buy it in an S-Corp name because an S-Corporation doesn't allow foreign shareholders, which would be non-U.S. shareholders. So Carol, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, purchasing it in your personal name is easy. There's no setup requirements, unlike with the LLC or the C-Corp. Um, you'll have the setup requirements, you'll have additional tax returns that'll be due. Also, we should mention that you can't, for non-U.S. persons, you cannot file married filing joint tax returns here in the U.S. So there's, it costs you more money because we have to do two tax returns if both of you, both husband and wife, are on the deed. Plus, we also need to mention that if you purchase it in an LLC, there are, that would have your that would allow for limits of your liability. One of the big cons for that would be getting homeowners insurance. Homeowners insurance companies do not like the LLCs being being on title because they have no recourse except for the value of the home for insurance purposes. A lot of times we come across many of our clients who have multiple investors on a property, whether they're married or unmarried. Um, with setting up, they'll, um, some of the options would be to set up as an LLC or to split the income and expenses on their personal returns to each owner. Carol, you've talked about a lot of things, so I want to go back and, and highlight a few things that you've talked about. So first of all, Married filing joint. In the United States, we have the option of filing married filing joint tax returns. So that means that me and my husband just file one tax return. So if one person's name is on the title, then in this case, because they can't file married filing joint, they can file one tax return. But if you choose to put both names on the title, you've actually created a filing requirement for both people if they choose to rent that property. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay, perfect. So if I buy that property with you and your husband and myself and my husband, we now have four filing requirements in the event that we want to make that a rental property. Is that a true statement? That is. So as you can see, the more people that we have on title, the more tax filing requirements we're creating in the United States. Now if we move that to an LLC, there are some advantages. So if the four of us also buy a property but we put it in an LLC, all four of us will actually have a tax filing requirement in the US. So we'll have one LLC, four individual tax returns to file. But the wonderful thing about that is, let's say that you and your husband don't want to maintain ownership. So 
two years down the line something happens and you're not in a financial position to maintain your ownership and myself and my husband don't want to sell the property then you could just effectively share, sell your share of the LLC to someone else. So we wouldn't have to retitle the property, you wouldn't have to go through the closing process again. So it makes it a whole lot easier if you do have multiple owners to possibly switch ownership. Maybe I want to give my share to my kids instead of me owning it. Much, much easier to do transfers like that. So that's one thing that I wanted to mention. The other thing that I wanted to mention before you um, go on is we did talk about how putting one person on the title makes it just one tax filing requirement, but many times for estate issues, you certainly may not want to do that. And we'll do a separate podcast on why that matters if, some, if the property is inherited. However, unfortunate, unforeseen things happen in lives. So if you just have one person on the title, you have to understand that you may have some additional estate tax filing requirements in the event of a death or tragic uh, illness or something happens. So Carol, did you want to talk a little bit more about when the properties are sold or how that's going to happen? Well, if the property is titled in an LLC or a C-Corp, keep in mind if, they're, if it's a U.S. LLC or a U.S. C-Corp, they not, they're not subject to the 15% FERP to withholding when the property is sold. We did an entire podcast talking about FERP to withholding, so that's very important. So I would listen to that podcast to make sure that you understand what we're talking about there. Another thing is if you have an entity in your home country and you want to register that entity here in the U.S., at that time you can make the election to have that entity treated as a U.S. entity. And therefore, again, no FERPTA would be required. However, when, the, when any U.S. entity pays money out to a non-U.S. person, there will, be subject, there will be a subject to withholding requirement of 30% unless that person has an ITIN. So all in all, 30% sounds a lot better than 15%. So ultimately, you really need to make sure that, that if you're a non-U.S. person that you have your ITIN and you have your, your property set up the entity titled properly and set up with your proper tax filings. So Carol, if we, if I just buy a property myself in my personal name and I don't ever want to rent it, am I still going to need an ITIN? Not until you go, not until you sell the property. So ultimately what you're telling me is that any non-US person that buys a property in the U.S. will eventually need an ITIN. Is that correct? Yes, before they sell it. And we did do a podcast on who needs an ITIN. So the only other thing that I want to mention is that the C-Corps, they don't have a requirement for you to get an ITIN. So you can actually buy a property in a C-Corp and you can go ahead and own it in the C-Corp and you don't need to get a U.S. ITIN. However, eventually one day when you want to get that money out of the C-Corp, you're going to be subject to that withholding that Carol mentioned, or you're going to have to get an ITIN. So one way or another, no matter how you choose to own these properties, what's critically important is that you understand what ta tax filings are required. And we see people all the time 
that buy a property and they rent it out for six or eight years and they fail to get these requirements clear and then what do we have to do? Then we have to do back taxes and then they have to find all the receipts and all the details for the last six years of ownership. So it's critically important that you talk to a U.S. CPA who's familiar with non-U.S. persons owning properties in the U.S. from the beginning when you buy these properties and we can certainly be of service to help with that. So I'm Janet Noak. And I'm Carol McCarley. Thanks for listening today. I'm Janet Noak. And I'm Andrea Dillon. We are a mother-daughter CPA firm serving the United States business community with tax preparation services, tax planning, tax resolution, assurance and audits, and CFO outsourcing and consulting. Thank you for listening to the WOW podcast, Words of Wealth from CPAs of Florida. Learn more at cpasofflorida.com or call us at 239-936-6144.